0: Well, my name is John Cologge, um and I am guest-hitting, guest-preaching for uh, Joe this morning, and uh, look forward to this opportunity. I'm going to kick it off with a uh, song that's almost 50 years old from a band some of you folks might recognize. Um, go ahead, hit it, Joe. <laughs> Okay, nobody has to admit if they remember that from when it first came out. It was actually recorded by Queen on their debut album in 1973, so in July, actually. So it'll be, it's 49 years old this year. I should have waited a year before I used that for an intro. But look, here's a rock band, a secular prophet of the day, so to speak, who penned songs and lyrics about life and love and, and, and interpersonal relationships to... Stuff we, uh, We Are the Champions, played at many a uh, sporting events all over there. Bohemian Rhapsody, which is, you can watch on YouTube, sung by cats and who knows what else. Right? We've all seen those types of uh, videos and stuff. And I think it was interesting, and the reason I wanted to use it, because even in that day and age, and even if that group of people, the typical party hard, what's life about, people who are seeking, noticed Jesus, and they noticed Jesus 2,000 years later, and then he was known for healing, following people. He was the man. He was the man promised. He was the Messiah. And he attracted crowds everywhere he went. Well, this morning I want to look at a subject that's very much at the heart of Jesus' ministry here on earth and at the heart of ministry as well in the Vineyard Church to Calvin, and, and, and that's the ministry of healing. How does healing work into that? Not just lepers. But for all of us, what is the aspects of that? God is including us in his desire to heal the sick. That is such an amazing thing, isn't it? It is so powerful. Uh, It's an important principle that that needs to underlie our understanding of healing. An important principle that we need to really get into our being is the fact that he allows us to participate. He wants us to to be actively involved in bringing that healing. It isn't just reserved for super pastors and leaders or evangelists. It's for all of us. Let's take a look at Luke 14, I'm sorry, Luke 4 verses 14 and 15. And then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. And this always gets me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me, Proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. And As all the eyes of the synagogue looked at him, he spoke and said, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Man, I think I used that in a sermon last year, and I played the uh, Avengers theme in the background behind it. I was it just such a momentous moment. I'm going to read that again because I want you to just get a little association here. Because in Matthew 28, later on, we'll get to that. God, Jesus commissioned us to go and teach. He authorized us so that this verse not only applies to Jesus' role, but it applies to your role and my role in the church today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is verse 18. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. You know, when I started off in my Christian walk as a new believer, I started reading the Bible, and I was really amazed, reading it not because I had to in a religion class growing up, but now, having had a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, having been baptized and filled by the Holy Spirit, all of these verses that I'd read before came alive to me in a much greater way. They connected with me. And as I read through the Gospels, I came to believe that Jesus did heal people. It was historical. It wasn't so far away, but it was something that he did. The love and compassion that he would heal all those that came before him. Over when he was tired, when there was too many of them, when they were ripping open roofs and lowering people down to him, because his compassion was so strong. Man, that guy didn't have boundaries, did he? Maybe. And yet, maybe you're like me. We start to discover, I start to discover, that believing that Jesus could heal people was the easy part. The tricky question is not whether Jesus had the power to do that, but whether we do. There lies the rub. And I also discovered that this question isn't only tricky in large mainline evangelical churches that may or may not believe that the gifts have ceased, but it's a question that lingers even in charismatic churches. It lingers even in vineyard churches, and it even lingers at the vineyard church in DeKalb, I believe. You see, we believe in healing, but in a way, we don't. We don't really believe in healing, do we? We believe God can heal, that he could heal through somebody else. But when it comes to whether God wants you to be involved in praying for the sick and seeing them get well, that's where we often struggle. We'll join in with somebody else's praying. If I started praying for somebody and asked you to come and help, you would come up and help probably. But can you initiate that? We can join in, but do we really feel that we are commissioned to do that? That we are empowered to do that? And what miracles uh, can still happen today? Do miracles still happen today? Anybody seen a miracle? You know, we use that term so broadly, but I've seen some pretty amazing miracles. I've seen God intervene over Physical reality that surrounds us. I saw God do some pretty amazing things when I was uh, doing work overseas. But again, so often those amazing things that God does, or that we have hear reports of, they're done by some super big leader, right? They're done by some powerful evangelistic crusade of some sort where healing comes, and uh, you know, a guy raises his hand, and hundreds fall out, and. Then we've seen news reports of the charlatans and rogues who took advantage of those types of things. Whether we doubted or not the uh, validity of healings and prophecy, we certainly doubted the validity, uh, um, validity of the character of the people doing it. But God's love and compassion still brings healing. And He uses broken vessels all the time to do His work. I'm one of them. <laughs> Um, When I was uh, involved in Youth with a Mission, I saw many people were healed by folks with less training than me. In fact, I saw people who gave their life to Christ and knelt in the sand on Waikiki Beach. And later that evening, as we were praying for people in Hotel Street, they were casting out demons, and demons were leaving. This guy had less than six hours training, and it wasn't training It was celebrating. It's awesome how God desires to work through simple jars of clay, as we're called. I realize more and more as I read the Gospels that Jesus healed the sick just about everywhere he went, continually, over and over again. It was central to his ministry. And that's what he was calling us to make it central to ours. It should be central to our ministry. Not just something we talk about. It should be a central aspect of our ministry. Acts 10.38 says, And no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So the good news that Jesus did and all the people Jesus healed were a result of the Holy Spirit's power that came upon him. That Holy Spirit's power that allowed him to pray for the sick, empowered him to bring healing. Do we have that same power and ability? Is the Holy Spirit not given to us? Didn't before he left, he said, Hey guys, hang out for a while because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. That was a long time ago. We got it now. And here's the thing, and here's how this relates to the song from the very beginning, is that that godly attraction that comes when we see the intervention and healing happen, that attraction still holds true today. People may not want to embrace your apologetic argument, or your historical proofs and evidence, or your creation research, or whatever those things. Those are all good things. None of that is bad. None of that is bad. But attraction to the messengers of the healing of Jesus is an almost automatic thing, something even a rock band can understand. Do you get that? If you're getting this, give me a nod up and down. If I'm, if you're missing me, just to, you know. Um, and God's Word tells us we'll do even greater things than what He did. Let's look at John 14. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father in is, is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it do you believe that it's the same word of God that says you're saved by faith right we embrace that so easily and then we look at this and we go nah. he meant Joe not me he meant uh, Heidi Baker not me he meant Catherine Coleman right not me no he meant you and me And here's the cool thing again, is that signs and wonders, healing, praying for healing and seeing God show up and bring healing to people, breaks barriers. It breaks through barriers of addiction. It breaks through barriers of dysfunctional families. It breaks through barriers that have set it. It breaks through barriers that Satan has encamped around people. It breaks through, it stops the argument. It stops the argument. I'm not sure this Jesus thing is real. Well, rise and walk. What do you mean? Yeah. This man that you... This man I'm talking about... This, uh, I was about to paraphrase Peter's uh, sermon. And I'm not going to do that. But Jesus is what makes that available. He is the sacrificial lamb. and He went to the Father and empowered us with the Holy Spirit to bring that healing. And, look at the, the verse we just read, we said we'll do even greater things than that. Now, you know, some groups will limit that to like, uh, they think it's like only preaching and teaching. That you're going to do greater things than Jesus, but they're only like preaching and teaching. That, uh, and they say that basically because they don't believe that a lot of miracles still happen today. And they have to find a way to fit that into their bubble. that it's uh, a metaphor. You know, Jesus pretty much spent most of his life in about a 60-mile stretch of Palatine. And uh, the more powerful things that we were going to do was things like uh, Paul, who went all the way to Rome, and Billy Graham, who preached globally around Those are the bigger and greater things. Now, I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's pretty amazing stuff. I had the opportunity to work with one guy when I were doing a mission outreach in the Philippines who had an incredible ministry of healing in Manila. Um, crazy stories. I was there at a crusade where a mother whose son had was missing the left foot. It was like, I don't know if it was a club foot or what the medical thing was and stuff. And during prayer for healing. Now, I don't even know how to report what I saw. It wasn't like stop-motion photography in the movies. I'm sure, you know, that uh, modern producers could do a much better job. But where there was a club, there was a foot at the end of the prayer. A foot with toes and toenails. And man, the faith of the mom, it brought the other shoe. And it fit. Wow! It's a radical thing. A person so plagued by demons, they were doing the whole, real life, levitating off the floor, just full-on exorcist type stuff, and got freedom. And that's working with interpreters, had no idea if she understood anything, didn't understand anything I said, she spoke Japanese. Spirit left, spirit heard English, the demon heard English and left. So, anyway, we become familiar with these verses, um, and especially these simple verses that have such big impact. But, you know, when we read them in the Bible, or even if you hear a story like what I just shared, or if you've heard other people share stories, I'm sure, they can eventually lose their impact, can't we? It's just like blah, blah, blah. Healing still happens. But the truth is that the average one of the real Christian will do the same things Jesus did. You and I really will. We really can. This is so incredible if you can receive it in faith. The reason some of you stop praying for the sick is because you don't believe that stuff anymore. Even if we go to a church that's founded on the movement, that God still interacts. Some people stop praying for the sick because we prayed and they didn't get well. They didn't, they didn't get well. I had a prayer for my foot. I've mean, been having trouble with my foot. I had bunches of prayer. It's Still a problem. But those people didn't stop praying for me. That's where the mistake comes in. That's where we kind of blow it a little bit. Anyone I know who tells fantastic stories of tremendous healings, they don't bother to tell and write about the hundreds of times they prayed where nothing happened. But that is the case. Pray for a hundred people and tell me what you get. John Wimber used to say that he prayed for about a thousand people before he ever saw somebody healed. Imagine the faith, the rock-solid faith you have to have to continue praying when you don't see anything happen. I remember praying for a girl during a service, during a church service, at a Vineyard Power Church event. And I'm praying for her, and God showed me something's going on in her head, and she... And in her brain and stuff, and she, and I was praying for healing for it. And she said, please stop, it's hurting more. She left with her friend who was embarrassed. Oh, I brought my friend to church to get prayer, and now you hurt her more. And I felt like a failure. I really did. I didn't want to pray for anybody more that day. I had to because I was up in the front, but I didn't want to. It, so I, uh, that's a very real feeling to have. It was so awesome, two weeks later, that girl came to visit again. Uh, She had been to the doctor, didn't have to have the brain surgery because the thing had shrunk and uh, was next to to God. I could just tell a little marked scar tissue in her brain where it was there. God healed her. Because it's not about me. It's about her. It's about the people having compassion for those we come across. But here's the other thing. She came back because she got healing. There's a church growth strategy that works really great. It's better than a postcard campaign, right? So let's walk around to Calm Healing people, having or being at least. See, that's the problem when I say things like healing people. It makes it sound like you're doing it, and we're not. We're initiating God's Holy Spirit power to do that healing. Will everyone you pray for get well? No. But if you continue to pray for the sick, God will use you in amazing ways. But you gotta keep doing it. You gotta press through. And the only way you're gonna experience that is if you press through it. That oh, what if nothing happens? And oh, it's a friend, or she knows me, or or I'll turn her off from the church, or I'll never sometimes it's easy to pray for strangers, because especially if you're somewhere else because you'll never see them again. Come to Hobson Park on Friday, pray for somebody down the street now. If God works, moved, cool. Maybe they'll even come to our church. But if he doesn't, they're not going to know who you are, right? You're cool. But why is shame attached to not doing it? We can pray for one another in this room. We don't determine who God heals. We do what the Father is doing. You see, Jesus did this stuff. He did it everywhere he went. People write about it so much so that, like I said... Rock and roll bands are singing about it thousands, uh, 2,000 years later. And many others. And again, I used to use them because it's not, not the church. It's outside of the church. And they recognized the stuff Jesus did. Then, Jesus got the 12, people, the 12 to do it. Those 12 guys that were following him around. That were disciples. We call them disciples. They were disciples of Jesus. That's how it worked in that day. They were followers of, 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 of Jesus. And then there was the 70. And he sent the 70 out. And he sent them out in pairs, too. Which, by the way, is a good little practical. Here's a free aside. Go with somebody else. Take somebody with you and you say, hey, we're just going to go wander around Hobson Park during the event, during the movie, and see who we can pray for. Or during the 4th of July. Go over, go ahead, get your... I don't know if they have funnel cakes at the thing in 4th of July here or not. But uh, I'm a new transplant. It's only been six, seven years I lived here. Do they sell funnel cakes at the uh, food trucks in... Nobody knows. Okay. Or they're being kind and they just don't. And I'm missing it. But anyway. My point is get somebody else and go see who... who, Walk around and see who the Holy Spirit is guiding you to pray for. He told the whole church to do it. He started with the 12 and the 70. And then he told everybody. Go make disciples. Teach them as I have taught you. The Great Commission... But somewhere along the way, we kind of stop with that healing part. We get this idea that it's for the super healers, the super spiritual, or the charismaniacs. The Spirit has given us power to heal. Jesus has given us permission or authority to heal. And the Father tells us when we should heal. When Jesus said in Matthew 28 that he's giving all authority to us, he wasn't simply speaking of the ability to heal, but he gave us both the permission and the right to exercise that power. You have permission. We have permission. And we have authority. And we have been commissioned. We're not just giving permission like, yeah, you can leave the room if you want to, but you still sit there. Commissioning is go. It's to do those things. Jesus said in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They'll place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Do you believe that? Do you? Doesn't matter where you think Uh, you've got to use people like Randy Clark or Heidi Baker or the John Wimbers and Catherine Coburns of the past. The question is whether or not he'll use you and me. The idea that God leaves ministry in the hands of the few is totally opposite of what the vineyard movement stands on. It's the opposite of understanding of how God chooses to work. John Wimber's message, so often quoted, everybody gets to play, everybody gets to participate. I'm skipping over stuff because I don't want to keep you here until, you know, two. Now they nod their heads appreciatively. Great. I have some stuff on the authority, but I'm not going to go into that. I would love to speak to you sometime about authority and, and a better example of how we got our authority. But the main thing I wanted to communicate today is that we look at healing, that it isn't something relegated to a few, but that Jesus has invited all of us as believers to participate. That there are several things you need to understand that will operate in our authority. One, the first thing is that Wimber taught is that all true ministry flows out of intimacy. As we abide in him, as we stay home with him, abiding in his his presence, the fruit will come. We must walk in our relationship with him through regular times of prayer and quiet reflection. For Jesus, it was a matter of going on in conversation and fellowship with the Father. Asking, what are you doing? The Father would show him, and Jesus would participate in it, and things would happen. He said, he told us, I'm only doing what the Father is doing. For us to walk in that same spiritual cooperation, we need to be in his presence. God is ultimately the initiator of all ministry. I was joking with... uh, Shauna earlier said, "Oh, you, you were probably the instigator when you were a kid in, college, in, in grade school. And uh, an instigator is different than an initiator. But um, I'm both. And most of you knew it. <laughs> but God is the initiator of that. And it's interesting. There's been times in my life where God and the Holy Spirit wanted to make it happen so much, they had to work on my resistance. And I almost laughed. And how God had to knock me around to get me. Okay, okay, I'll pray for her. And He did. And I'm so thankful he did. Because like, she's, she's going to think I'm nuts and I'm weird and, 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 and run away. And yet, instead, God breaks through. And lives come back into, into, into living for him. There's been some amazing turnarounds like that. But it's based on our intimacy. We need to be close enough with God to hear that. We need to develop this listening skill. Uh, and it's not just for um, ministry time or... Um... Look, we've been doing a quiet time during the service, right? We're right? seeing what scriptures God gives us and stuff. It's maybe five minutes. Maybe five minutes. Could you do that at home? Could you do it for half an hour? If your life gets really, really hectic, you'd be like Jesus and get up a great while before day to have that time alone. But as you have that time alone, and do what you've got to do to stay focused, it's okay. Do what you have to do to stay focused. Read some Psalms, that kind of thing, but don't make it a Bible reading time. Don't make it a here's my prayer list God time. Those are all things that you can do, but I am talking about just listening for God, getting used to hearing His voice. We develop the skill, not so much in prayer ministry situations, but in our prayer closets. Second thing we need to understand is that if we operate in our authority, it has to do with faith. When we read in John fourteen twelve, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Some of us respond, Yeah! While others respond, Ugh. Some rise up with faith. Others find themselves doubting. Yeah, that's other people. I'm not spiritual enough. I've got too much sin in my life for that to work. So if you're one of the doubters, my goal is not to... Don't condemn yourself. Ask Jesus for the faith to believe. Ask for faith. That's how you get it. You ask for it. You ask for it. You need to exercise faith in order to walk in your authority in Christ. We need to have faith in the things Jesus said are true. It isn't about faith in ourselves, but faith in the fact that Jesus is calling each and every one of us to play, to participate, to bring healing to those we come in contact with. And friends, faith does not rest on how loud you pray for the sick. I get enthusiastic sometimes. I have to watch myself. from not getting too loud. And I'm never offended if somebody tells me to quiet down or So continue to give me that structure. But it's not how loud you can pray. It's faith that God says, and it is through this faith that you can exercise your authority. It is when you are walking in the authority delegated to you, you will find yourself... Look, it's like a traffic cop, right? He's been authorized. He's got a badge. He's got a uniform to help indicate to the public that he's authorized. And he's running traffic. And he tells you to stop. He puts his hand up. Stop. He doesn't have to scream, stop, like if he screams loud enough a bigger car will stop. And why do we stop? He's only one guy, why don't we just go around him? Why don't you just go around? Why would two little red lights on the top of a car make you pull over? Right? Because there's authority behind that. That's a marker of authority. Someone has been authorized to patrol what's going on on the roadway and pulling you over. Might have been that you're going 50 miles over the limit. Or it might be that somebody sick is on the way to the hospital. It was a different type of authorization. That you had to get out of the way so that that device could get through and bring care to somebody else. In that same way, you and I have been empowered with the authority to heal the sick. We really have. And, when we, you know, it used to be, I think, that doctors who didn't respond would be in trouble. Actually, they're still on the books. If you see somebody who is in trouble and you don't help them and you have the ability to, there is actually a criminal charge of failure to respond that municipalities have. Um, because... Even our society recognizes that those who can help should help. And how much more so for us as the church to communicate the power of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to operate in our authority and use it. But you got to be willing to take risks. You've got to be willing to take risks and go through that struggle if you want to see the Spirit move, if you want to see healings happen. To operate in our authority, we need to be a people submitted to God with all our hearts. It's like that centurion soldier who came to Jesus in Matthew 8. Um, he says, For I'm a man under authority, and soldiers are under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. It's difficult to walk in that cooperative relationship with the Father when you're struggling with Him, when you're fighting with Him, when you're arguing with Him in your heart or in your mind. Jesus said in John 4.34, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me to finish His work. So we've got to settle that. And you settle that by spending intimate time with God. Number four, we must remember that authority is released through walk, taking risks out of the church. It happens out there much easier than it happens in here. Ask anybody who's prayed for people for a while here. It's a lot tougher in here than it is out there. We think it's easier because we have the cool music and... Some places dim the lights. and uh, You know, if Cindy was up here playing tinkly things on the piano and stuff. And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't need any of that, by the way. That's maybe for us. But it's, it's, it's not, a, not a prerequisite. It would be, we would have lots more ministry opportunities if we would just go out and meet people. And you get more opportunities to actually know how to pray for them if you're nice to them. Be nice to people. Go out and be. The, don't yell at the person behind the counter because it took twice as long. Or don't yell at the lady in front of you in line who needs to be explained that once more the difference between a grande and a tall and a large. Let's not do that. Let's instead try to hear what the father is doing and see how that interaction can help. This whole thing we're going through with uh, M. G three. And and the blessing that Joe's going to start our next series on. It's all part of how to walk that out. How to, to meet and give and grow and and in uh, uh, God. Those are the things that we need to do. Healing is something we believe God has given into the church as a whole. It's something He's truly built into the life here at the Vineyard. It's a prominent distinctive, it's a part of our DNA. And it's a part of our DNA that everybody gets to play. Indeed, it's what makes us a people who, like Jack Hayford, who is a pastor in another denomination, was speaking prophetically at a national conference of the vineyard movement in 1997. And a portion of that quote is this, that the people of the vineyard are a people of passion for the supernatural and all the signs and wonders that come with it, a people who want to see souls saved, and believe that it's the power, the supernatural work of God that makes for the cutting edge for that to come about. And I have most recently become so much more in agreement that it is the cutting edge. And it's the cutting edge for us now. Particularly as I look at our area, our region, there is not any of this going on. We believe in a God who heals but today I just want to ask you, are you willing to believe in a God who wants to use you to heal, use you to be that instrument? The truth is, anyone who believes in him will do the same works he has done and even greater works because Jesus is with the Father. Pardon my paraphrase of John 14, or John, yeah, fourteen twelve, 12, I think. I'm not sure where I got that. It's in the Bible. Trust me. Look it up later. All right. I feel like I've been yelling at you guys all day, and I didn't want to mean to yell. I'm, I'm really just excited. But I really think that part of the thing that's going to happen, we've been talking about church growth, having more families join us here in the church and stuff, and I really think we're missing a big part of the opportunity. Yeah, we want to do all those other things that we're doing, but the second part of the prong, other than the uh, MG3, the other part of that prong is to be walking, traveling, Contagion of healing, of God's Spirit breaking through. Be aware. Be interruptible. Be interruptible. Don't be mad that the guy approached your car with a cardboard sign looking for money. Ask God, is this an opportunity? Give him money, give him prayer. Do both. We meet the physical needs as well as the spiritual needs. But look for those opportunities. That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening. Would you let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I pray that your message this morning would just rend us asunder in our hearts, Father God. Those things that are from you, Lord, let, us just, let them just fester in us, Lord. Let them compel us to take action, Lord. Lord, that we really do what we say we believe, Father. Anything that's from John that has no purpose, just get rid of it or let it fall away and forget about it before they even eat lunch. We thank you, Lord, for all you are doing in our lives. You are so amazing, God. And we look forward with great expectation at what you're going to accomplish here in DeKalb, Sycamore, Cortland, in this little area, Father God, and around the world. Help us, Lord, to spend time with you to be able to hear our part. And, Father, just to hear your heart. Lord, I pray that we'd hear your heart. Lord, I pray that we'd have intimate times to be able to just sit and listen to you and that we would hear you, Father. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.